Big Fluff. Name, please. Parker. Peter. Ah, here we are. Table for two. Becker. Parker. That is what I said. Becker. Um, I have a request. Mm. My girlfriend will be coming, and I have this ring. Ah. Uh, uh. Oh, so uh, you want to pop the question tonight, huh? Yes, and I want to do something very special. I love it. Romance. I am French. Uh, when I signal you, mm. if you'd bring some champagne with the ring... In the bottom of her glass? Perfect. Magnifique. Also, I thought at the same time, if the musicians would play this song... Their favorite. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And we are kicking off a brand new calendar year in the wake of Spider-Man Far From Home, Return No Way Home, I forget what it's called. No no Way Home. (laughs) No Way Home is what it's called. I saw it, I loved it, it was great. Uh, But we thought it would be good to go back and look at some of the maybe less than stellar Spider-Man movies along the way. Uh, And so that's why we're watching Spider-Man 3 this week. And we have special guest uh, back by popular demand, the one and only Jonathan Davenport. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's literally the highlight of my week. Awesome. Yeah. Can I just, before we get into Spider-Man, if people don't remember, uh, Jonathan, you, uh, you design ring gear for professional wrestlers and... Uh, just because we have you here and because I want to take the opportunity, Chef's Kiss to Big E's Seinfeld-inspired yes. uh, gear. I loved it so much. <laughs> I have a little piece of story for that. Ooh. <clears throat> and it goes like this. So um, E is a humongous Seinfeld fan, like just hardcore humongous. You, you can't sneak a reference past him. Uh, he'll beat you in trivia. Like, don't even try. Uh, So he's wanted to do this for a long time and we kept trying to find the right time to do it. But it was just it's been a roller coaster, as you know, of a year. So we finally pulled the trigger um, and we I started working on a set. And then (laughs) halfway through the set, I was like, man, holidays around the corner. We should probably have a Festivus one, too. And he was like, yes, (laughs) 100 percent we should. So um, so there's two sets of Seinfeld gear um, and we've never. I think we've never done like two of a single thing. We've had a couple of album themed things, but I'm here to announce exclusively that there is a third Seinfeld set that is coming. It's been designed It's with the makers. It's being made. And then the other little piece of weirdness is I got a message over Instagram from someone who is uh, the admin of a Facebook group called Seinfeld Wrestle Posting. What? <laughs> it's real. <laughs> They're magnificent. <laughs> um, Snaps to that. Right? They've been yeah. around for like three years. So this isn't like, I thought it was a work. I thought they were like, quick, yeah. form this group and it'll be like a, a honey trap. For- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to rib Davenport. <laughs> right, yeah. But no, they've been around for a while. And when the when the gear hit, 
Uh, he said that like his uh, membership jumped like 2,000 people overnight. They crowned E as their unofficial champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in there and looked around, and it's legit. It's an actual real thing. So I messaged E and mentioned it to him, and we decided like, okay, this is a sign because we often text and and talk and say like, what are we doing? This is no one's stopping us. I can't believe no one's stopping us from making this ridiculousness. It's absurd. So um, are you? Are you about to? This is a sign that. Just go for it because there's someone out there who has a very specific Facebook group for whatever weird thing you're going to do. So are you now on our show announcing that uh, you're doing an eight ball jacket that he's going to come out? (laughs) (laughs) I am now. (laughs) Oh, man. I do. Anyway, all that to say, thank you very much. We we're really happy with the reception we got from it because that was a real swing. I thought the thing that cracked me up too is I I sent you a message on Inst- or I commented on Instagram saying that the only thing missing was a fusilli big E and you told me that you had considered it and I that made me so happy. This close. <laughs> I it was so so the challenge with the Seinfeld gear is there's so much. Oh it's yeah. So rich. Oh yeah. yeah. You know they like coined seven things per episode. Yes. So yeah. I made a I made a master list of like uh, phrases that are just words and there's nothing you can do graphically with it other than just like put the phrase on it. And then another list of things that like, Oh, I could draw that. That could be a thing that could be on it. Like that could be an icon. The ring jacket could be a puffy shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, what the hell am I talking about? Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the, the Fusilli Jerry, yes, that was one of them. And that like, almost made the cut um and then it got moved to the set that um has not been seen yet and then it didn't quite make the cut there but you'll see why because the other it's so rich with stuff so i I hope you guys love it when it comes i'm sure i will like i yeah no the the other ones have made me so happy uh i could continue to talk about this but we should talk about spider-man 3 yes so yes (laughs) for like 20 minutes before we started recording just Yeah, nonsense. So we yeah, go on you night. love that we talked about Spider-Man three off the air and then spent the first like ten minutes of our show talking about uh, Seinfeld ring gear. But that's all right. Yeah, we're we're back. That's on- okay. Seinfeld is set in New York, much like Spider-Man three, bringing it all back around. Mm. Jerry Seinfeld loves Segment. superheroes. He's more of a DC guy. More but- of a DC guy. But yeah, uh, yeah Spider-Man three. What a movie! What a movie! <laughs> what? <laughs> A movie. A movie? (laughs) (laughs) I I stepped on you. I'm sorry. You're good. You're good. What a movie. (laughs) All right. So uh, maybe to like, since we didn't get to talk about Spider-Man one or two, because those movies are pretty much universally beloved by comic book fans. Maybe we should tee up the Sam Raimi trilogy a little bit before, because I I do that. I mean, people are probably aware, but like this was pre MCU. This was you know, you could say the bar, I feel like. Oh, this for, was the bar, for sure. Yeah, for superhero movies. Uh, it also, uh, jumping ahead to this movie, it it got me too because I, so I rewatched all three of them knowing that we were going to, didn't have to for this show, but did. Uh, mm-hmm. But it hit me too, the Stan Lee cameo doesn't come till this movie. It, Stan Lee does not appear in one and two. So I thought that Is was that interesting. Is that right? Really? Yeah, yeah, he's only in the third one. So I thought that was oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... 
So you kind of see some of that stuff. Like, yeah, it's funny. Bruce Campbell is the Stan Lee of the Sam Raimi <laughs> movies. Uh, uh, I stand by that. That's great. But yeah, I mean, this movie, like, I feel like if people are, we're all about the same age, I think. But I think if people are younger and if you grew up like with the MCU, I don't think people can understand, you know, I sound like I'm a million years old, but like what it was like in, in 2002 to go to a movie theater and see the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Like it blew your mind. Oh yeah. It was everything you wanted from a comic book movie. So when the first Spider-Man came out and you know, I'm sure like you guys, uh, you were huge Spidey fans growing up, right? Oh yeah. Favorite hero or not? Or were you Batman? It was Spider-Man and Batman were the two. Like those are like Spider-Man and X-Men were my two. Yeah. Yeah. Like I bounced back and forth, like with other stuff, but those were the two that I was regular. Like I didn't miss Batman and Spider-Man. Like those were. Yeah. Yeah. See, same here. See Spidey. I had like the subscription. This is how old I am. I had the subscription where it would come in a little brown Yep. Sleeve to yeah. your house. Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. That was great. Um, I drew Spider-Man comics when I was like in kindergarten and stapled them together and whatever. So a big, big Spidey fan forever. That, that's why you really became excited. an that's why you became an artist too, because Spider-Man is really hard to draw. Like I always thought, it's, a, it's, it's intricate. Yeah. It's not just think about the hand goodness for the black suit. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's why it exists. But like <laughs> I mean, like, think about the hand-drawn Spidey animated cartoons oh god yeah like, how the hell did they track those webs like that's nuts frame by frame um, yeah it's crazy so um but I, yeah i remember when the the spidey when the movie came out the first time and i was still like you guys i'm sure heartbroken about the james cameron spider-man movie that never came to be i remember reading about it in like starlog magazine like oh it sounds so great yeah. never happened um, I was working at a, a game company at the time, and it was about 10 minutes from a movie theater. And the movie came out, and I was like, oh, guys, I'm, I'm going to take a long lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> I went and saw it, and I did that every day for like a week. And I just kept seeing it over and over and over again. And they the joke became, t- became like, um, I'm going to take a long lunch. And it's like, well, how long? Uh, maybe two hours plus trailers. <laughs> <laughs> And I finally, one of my buddies was like, how, why do you keep seeing that movie? And I told him, and I remember this, he quoted it back to me later. Um, because right now, somewhere 10 minutes from here, Spider-Man is fighting the Green Goblin and I'm not there to see it. <laughs> and that was the philosophy. It was so mind blowing. I mean, even, I even love the Nickelback song. Okay. Well, now, now you're, I think that was because you saw it so much. It brainwashed you. The Nickelback they song. They say that a hero <laughs> can save us. I'm not, not gonna stand in the way. It's so good. It's good. I don't care. Yeah, okay. It's good. Okay. You're you're out. On, I'm sorry. I want to yes and you, but you're on a limb on the Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I, man, the thing I remember that, that stuck with me, I think that euphoric feeling, you know, that like when you just see something and it lights up your brain in a movie theater was him swinging. The first time I saw Spider-Man swing on a web and i think that might be i think sam raimi does a million things really well but the thing that i think he does that feels the most satisfying is he knew how to make that look cool and feel cool the web slinging looked amazing i think the thing for me is the first time he climbs the wall with the elfman score and like each like different hand movement is is like a different chord and it's like boom 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 and it's it's ah love the two first two Spider-Man movies. 
you can feel how much Raimi loves Spider-Man yes. too. Yes. You know, you can feel it and you can feel how much he doesn't care for Venom. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that maybe that is the segue. Like, yeah, the first two movies, to be clear, you feel the love. Like, there's so much Spider-Man no more. And it's that cover that we mm. all like knew. Like, you knew when you saw that, that like you did it. Like, it's like he held it up and like made sure the frame was exactly. But just like all of the, the stuff, you feel that like the little details, the stuff that he knew. Uh, yeah. And then we get to this movie and it, I feel like you can see Raimi give up like you feel <laughs> I well let me let me ask that like well, this is how we'll get into it do you think like because I've gone back and forth do you think he tanked this movie on purpose or do you think he his heart just wasn't in it because it's one of the two and I think I go back and forth on which I, I think. like the narrative that he tanked this movie on purpose I that that maybe this is uh, the other multiverse outcome of the Seinfeld gear where it just went over like a wet fart <laughs> <laughs> where they, he took a shot. He's like, I'm just going to see what I can get away with and see what happens. And uh, it didn't work at all. And um, whereas, you know, maybe he just tried to see, I think he was like trying to, maybe he was Costanzing it, trying to get fired. <laughs> you know what i i'm gonna take the i'll take the other path i'll okay. take the first right. option in the undertaker yeah, yeah. choose your own adventure story <laughs> spider-man 3 um let's think about sam raimi the man mm -hmm. you've seen him on set right how's he dressed shirt and tie all the time yeah like with the suit the, the suit the suit jacket yeah, yeah. the whole deal yeah like an like nba coach <laughs> this guy is a pro through and through, you yeah. know, I don't think he's capable mentally of tanking something. Now, I can't talk speak to his subconscious. I think <laughs> he did the best he could. And I think they wore him down and wore him down, wore him down until finally he just J.J. Abrams the movie. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think Abrams for sure tanked that intentionally because because he got music manned. He finally got trapped and he had to finish his own story and he just didn't know how to do it. But we already did that podcast. That is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he got music manned. Oh, my God. Yes. No, Abrams is the music man. I'm oh utterly convinced God. because he no, must he, be. He tried to escape town and he yeah. wound up in Ogdenville. Yeah. Holy no. crap. No. no, he must be amazing in a room. I'm convinced that if he walked into this room right now while we we're doing this podcast, we'd all just hand him all the money that we had on him. I think he's that good, but he can't finish anything. <laughs> like it's just I could, I could be wrong about this. I don't believe I am. <laughs> but since we are here, um JJ Abrams, uh Toby Maguire, and I all have something in common. Go on. Same birthday. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I really wasn't Wonderful. sure where that was going. I should have guessed birthday, but I was I was very fascinated. <laughs> Massive success. <laughs> yeah, we've JJ all... Abrams, Toby Maguire, and I all have signed an NDA, and we can't talk about the thing we have in common. <laughs> but uh, to kind of loop back, like I, I, I can see the temptation to tank something like this. The I'll show them, but man, I think he just loves and cares about this franchise and the character and the actor so so much. Maybe to a fault. Um, I think he got saddled with something, and I mean, we all know the behind the scenes story of uh, Spider Man Three and how he got uh, 
is venom foisted on him. Well, yeah, I, I feel like even if we didn't know that, you could feel it. It's two movies jammed into one. Yeah, oh, and- there's like four movies going on here. <laughs> there are a lot of movies happening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I assume that's common knowledge, but I guess just uh, for yeah for the listeners in case people don't know, but yeah, it, it literally was uh, Avi Arid, I think was the guy's name from Sony. Who uh, Sony? Like you can see that now. Well, Sony, Avi Arad's a Marvel guy, uh, but like on behalf of like Sony, on behalf of Sony, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like they've had a big like you can see it now with the the tom hardy movies they they really believe that venom needs to be in movie theaters and so the even but then they were angling for it like we need venom he wanted to do a sandman movie i've read different stuff like some of the stuff said that like he he even pitched like a ben kingsley vulture the, like it, yeah yeah, yeah. I so did, i'd heard that as well yeah yeah so like there's different there's different things there was also i like if people don't know Raimi wanted to do a fourth film and then things went so bad on this. And especially like even when this came out and people didn't like it, he was still hoping to kind of redeem it with a fourth film. And then they parted ways. Uh, yeah. Made a ton of money though, right? It's the it highest, highest grossing. grossing. 2007. Yeah. 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 It's the highest grossing of the Spider-Man's. It's the highest grossing of like of the year that it came out. It, it only got beat by like one of the Pirates of the Caribbean, like years later, the whatever box office record that it set at the time. Crazy. Uh, yeah. It's a, it made a ton of money. Uh, but yeah, I think it was pretty much, I don't think people were happy with it. Um, but yeah, I think, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it just occurred to me, you know what they needed? Hmm. They need more villains. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, somewhere in the universe, Joel Schumacher is loving this. <laughs> um, they needed a Bumblebee slash Mandalorian. So the Transformers movies, um, insanely profitable. I don't mm-hmm. know if they were beloved, but very profitable. Um, and then, you know, people liked them less and less. The last Transformers movie made a ton of money, but people were so mad at them. They felt like, OK, we're, we're, we're not going to do this anymore. But right before that, they were so high on their horse. They were like, let's spin it off. And they let some guy make his tiny little indie movie about a boy and his robot or a girl <laughs> and his robot or <laughs> robot. Right. They made a little bumblebee. This giant beast tanks. And Bumblebee becomes so popular and beloved, they're like, let's make another Transformers movie. And I feel like the same thing happened with Mandalorian. They, they were like, oh, let's spin off Star Wars. And they made this tiny little thing. The giant beast crumbles, Abrams, and then <laughs> Mandalorian becomes so popular. They're like, oh, it's reborn. So I- if they had spun off Spider-Man, pun? I don't know. Um, <laughs> somewhere around Spider-Man 2. That could have been the little tugboat that kept yeah. Raimi's vision alive. And they could have gone off on something like that. They didn't have one. And here we are. I, I also the greatest Spider-Man ever. <laughs> uh, since we keep talking about uh, the Mandalorian and, and what, JJ no Abrams, gonna care I also have this. always had a theory that there wasn't even like Baby Yoda merchandise when that show came out. They that was not on their radar. They were so concerned <laughs> with Rise of Skywalker that they forgot to go like to read the emails about that's what Favreau was dead, doing. <laughs> that's the dead giveaway with Disney. When that's how you know they got caught off guard when they don't have merch ready. Yeah, you remember was, there was no frozen merch for a year. Yeah, 
Yeah, but, but like, yeah, because Mandalorian, I think it came out in November, right? Like, it was like right before Christmas. It was the biggest show that everyone was talking about on social media, and you could not find a baby Yoda, which you would have thought, like... And it, it wasn't like the empty box campaign with the 77 Star Wars, where they just yeah. couldn't produce enough toys in time. They just didn't have... No. How they didn't have baby... How could you see that puppet not be like, this is a billion dollars? That's what I'm saying. They didn't see the puppet. Nobody yeah. had any idea what that show was until it aired. That is a time <laughs> known as a golden age yes. for people with Etsy shops. Well, I, I thought you were going to say creatively. <laughs> Maybe that's me. <laughs> when, when, the comp, like when the people with the money aren't aware of what you're doing, that's when you do the great work. That's probably the same with Bumblebee. They probably didn't care. Like, no, they didn't yeah. care at all. They were making their night movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So sorry. Sidebar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So we kind of teed that up. Yeah. The, the studio really wanted Venom. They've obviously really wanted Venom for a long time and they're living their dreams these days. <laughs> like they, he fought carnage. They did it. They're their ultimate dream. But like, yeah. So Venom, Tobey Maguire, uh, or, or Tobey Maguire, Topher Grace as Venom. Yes. Dream casting. <laughs> With that Just frosted spot on comic book accurate casting. The hair. I actually have a theory about that. I want to run past you guys. Okay. You tell me what you think. Uh, and if this has already been reported, then great. But um, you remember Spider-Man 2, Toby hurt his back. Right. And didn't want to go on. But we all, it's been reported that he was actually angling for more cash. Right. right. And wasn't there even, if I remember the reporting, weren't there like rumors that like Hall was like standing yeah. by his phone? <laughs> waiting I for the that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just waiting to get zipped up into the suit yeah but here's the thing i also remember reading about Topher grace being a potential replacement because oh, okay. it looked so physically similar so my theory is i believe that ramey and mcguire and dunst are tight i believe they really are i think that they cast Topher grace specifically to make sure that Toby was not replaced in the Spider-Man oh, movies. That's interesting. Like to burn him as an option. Right. Because yeah. wh wh why else? Like it, it's like you said, Andy, like you know, dead on Eddie Brock from the comics. Come on now. Yeah. Not even a little bit. No, no. And why, why him? Yeah. Well, and honestly, like, I don't think on paper, it's necessarily a bad idea to cast like a reflection of Peter Parker as the Venom character. Because um, there is some, I guess in the Ultimate Comics, Eddie Brock is a little bit more of a pipsqueak type character. It's a little bit different. So there's some comic basis for it. But um, yeah, anybody who's a fan of like the um, the classic like 90s run of Venom with Eddie Brock, this hulking monster of a man getting played by Eric Foreman. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember too, was that Todd McFarlane that did a lot of the, like the... Yeah, it was. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, he's even, I believe he's still credited as the creator of Venom in the movies. In the, okay, in the yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and you can see that, like, I think what supports that theory too is obviously there's a lot of mirroring in the script. Like, so it's like they're both competing freelance photographers like both competing for the same job at the daily bugle uh they both have a you know classic spider-man girlfriend like that they start the film out with like that's one of the movies that, that is one of the movies <laughs> yeah yeah i was honestly it was funny i was trying to go through this before i started i counted like five different plot lines and they all like peter parker runs through all of them but but maybe all right you know what let's do it let's see what we can come up with so there's so there's that one there's the competing 
power couple. Like, the competing Parkers. <laughs> yes. The Parkers and the, the uh, you know, there's, the, there's Eddie the Brock. Parkers dating women who famously have a different color hair than their comic book counterpart who famously has. Yeah, that it is color funny. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's that one. There's, um, I would say even with, uh, okay, so there's that. Then there's, um, there's all the stuff paying off from the previous two movies with uh, James Franco with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Harry. Harry so, is the new goblin. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a solid plot line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, again, the, that's three movies worth of, like the previous two films paying off. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the romantic triangle, right? Yeah. But that's, uh, a, yeah. And that's but another it, plot line. But, <laughs> but yeah. But so that's the other problem too, is like, so already in those two storylines, there's two separate romantic triangles that they create because yes. there's a romantic Peter, triangle. Peter is, is a vertex on two different love triangles. Yeah, because <laughs> there's the one with Harry and there's the one with Gwen Stacy. So yeah, it's, so, it's the Harry MJ. Uh, yeah, well, it's the Harry MJ Peter one. It's the Peter MJ Gwen Stacy one. And yeah. then it's the Peter uh, Eddie Brock Gwen Stacy it's it, it's a love oh, quadrangle yeah, yeah, yeah. quadrangle oh my god yeah and it's then a that's a decahedron of love <laughs> and that's not even mentioning when peter is either getting cookies from the daughter oh, that, of his landlord right. or flirting with what is it betsy brant uh from yeah, the betty brant yep. yeah the betty brant bit and the neighbor storyline which i think started in two right yeah the neighbor she brings in the cake in two yeah yeah like I loved that dynamic. I loved it in Spider-Man Two, like there being like a neighbor, and and it was like there's a little romantic. You remember? It's sweet. Like those yeah. times yeah. when you had there was a girl and a friend, and you're like maybe, but I'm dealing with this. But maybe yeah. it was exciting. It was kind of cool to see that. And watching that for this go round for Spider-Man Three made me wish that we had these streaming platforms then because this would have been a killer series. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well also, I mean, that's a funny thing too of like, why doesn't Eddie Brock date Betty Brandt? Like she are, we already know her. She's been in two movies. Why bring Gwen Stacy into this movie as a new character you have to introduce when you're also have to introduce Eddie Brock and you have to introduce Sandman. Like there's yeah. too much to do. Oh, so also, sorry. So where were we? So there's those two plot lines. There's got, yeah, the revelation that Sandman is the actual killer of Uncle Ben. That's a plot line. Uh, and there, his redemption story. And his yes. redemption story. Um, I would say it's a separate plot line that Harry wants to get revenge on Peter for his dad. That is separate of the love triangle. <laughs> so yeah, like, but continuing the through line of the other two movies. Yeah. So so we're up to four there. Um, I don't know, like, I guess him trying to propose to Mary Jane is still part of, you could throw that in the love that's triangle. In, that's in a love triangle. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. not count that as separate. Okay. And then there's also Peter gets, uh, the symbiote attached to him and becomes oh, yeah. a jerk. So that is five unique. Wait, wait, don't you mean cool as shit? Sorry. Cool as shit. I will that's say. That's going to be a topic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, at the time very maligned it's great I, like look, i'm watching look, it yeah. this time through and it's honest to god my favorite part of the movie <laughs> you know what uh, uh we'll save it save it for the silver linings portion because i might agree with you uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Cliffhanger>. <laughs> okay so yeah so those are five separate 
plot lines. I think did I forget anything? Distinct from each other that yeah. like, don't even intertwine necessarily. Yeah, right. I mean sometimes. Yeah, again, like Harry. Other than Peter Parker being there, it's this is like four seasons of television. Yeah, yeah, it's not in, even four movies. Yes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You could do an entire yeah Disney streaming show just exploring all of these different plot lines. And yeah, like he probably would have dated Gwen Stacy for a while. Maybe he dates the the girl from the the apartment building. You know, then you got storylines with her dad is his landlord come on you can but you can kind of see it's like we talked about Raimi having so much love for the character you can feel the era of spider-man that he grew up with yes because spidey's you know the in the comic i don't know what it's like now but like when i was reading it it's it was like the ultimate soap opera you know yeah it's like the there's the heroing bit and that's almost to the side and you're mainly invested in how's he gonna pay rent um, who's he dating? What's the problem with this? Is Aunt May well, dying? You yeah. know, there's all this stuff going on. You can feel that it should be serialized. Well, yeah, and I rewatching the previous two films, I think that like the reason that Spider-Man 2 kind of really is, I think to me, the bar of, of these is that like it nails exactly what you're talking about. Is like essentially the question at the core of that movie is like, could he just stop being Spider-Man? Like, there's no reward for it. Everybody hates Spider-Man. It is actually impeding your life. Like you're doing bad in school. It's affecting your relationship with MJ. Like it, everything like you, you need a job and you can't also have a job and be Spider-Man. And the only job you can even get involves you basically selling out Spider-Man to J Jonah Jameson. Like all of that's explored of like, yeah, that movie's about like, God, it sucks to be (laughs) Spider-Man, but you have to do it because your dying uncle told you with great power comes great responsibility and you feel really guilty about him dying. So I guess you got to do this, you know, but you got to find a way to balance the two. That's that whole movie. And it's great. Like yeah. it no, nails Spider-Man that. 2 is flawless. Yeah, it really I, is. I wish I was, did you, you guys, obviously you didn't cover Spider-Man 2 because that is not no. a maligned nope. film. No. Um, so we won't get a chance to talk about it. So we talk about it here. Right. That's why um, I sneak it in. <laughs> there's a bit in Spider-Man 2. I think it's baked into the DNA. And it's so weird to me. It's part of the charm of the movie. But do you guys ever, as screenwriters, did you ever find it odd that they 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 set up this thing where it's like, well, Peter, if you want to uh, woo a woman, read her poetry. That is and weird. It's like that is yeah, weird. It's like it's 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 like this little setup, and it's like okay, cool. And then the moment comes, and he. <laughs> Start reading the poetry. She's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you saying these words? Yeah. There's no payoff. And it doesn't teach anyone a lesson. And it doesn't say like, oh, don't listen to Doc Ock. It's nothing. It's just a cool little bit that yeah. they thought was funny. And they put it in like the broom closet. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is yeah, totally true. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, because I think there isn't there like one scene in between where he's maybe got some poetry books. He's he's, he's it's it's like a double joke because he's washing his Spider-Man outfit. Oh, it right. He's into his whites. Yeah. And he's reading the poetry book while he's doing that. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> Quality. Uh, um, <laughs> OK, so. Where I, what do we want to talk about? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, th- I think the I think the biggest thing is that. This movie is a mess because they're trying to keep so many plates in the air and it's impossible to do it justice. Yeah, yeah. there's three villains. There's five distinct plot lines. Like there's there's too much happening at any given. And you can see it, too. Like, I feel like you really feel it in. There's a couple of times. A lot of it with Harry. I felt like weirdly 
like you could kind of feel it of like that they run into each other at the play and it's like he kind of glares at him and then he has the the really nice scene with aunt may where you find out that he's going to propose to mj and then it's like you know the next scene is like now harry's on the glider and attacking him when it was like five seconds ago you were just happy to stare at him and then avenge me (laughs) do do me a favor one of you fellows if you don't mind run through harry's plan with me if you oh be so kind that's what I'm saying. So it, first his plan was to sit in the balcony, Statler and Waldorf style, and glare and at Peter. He, all the machinations that go into that. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the ticket, finding out what day Peter's going to be yeah, there. Yeah, the to whole... be there. I hope he went for like a week before Peter showed up. Like, he, he's got money. <laughs> he's there every day. He just keeps going. Yeah, so... So you have to be there. You have to make sure Peter sees you. And then you walk out of the theater just ahead of him so that mm-hmm. he tries to get your attention and you snub him. Mm-hmm. Uh then that fires you up enough to then wait for oh, him. And to... you sell, and you find out what type of bouquet Peter is getting, and, and get, get a bigger three, one, and get the three tiered up version of that from FTD Florists. Yeah, fantastic Sam Raimi joke. That is really good, <laughs> and that one's from Harry. Yeah, perfect. Well, also it kind of mirrors a joke in Spider Man Two, where when Peter one doesn't go to the play. Uh, Mm -hmm. because he misses it and also because uh, Bruce Campbell like shushes him Uh, but then he goes to get flowers in that movie and he's so poor that the the florist takes back some of the flowers like he has takes back four of the five carnations that he bought (laughs) so it's actually kind of paying off something established in the last movie about seeing mj's plays and bringing her flowers so it it, so all of that is wonderful but yeah so he goes to the play now he snubbed him then he attacks him surprise attack this one's smart i understand Mm -hmm. this plan (laughs) he's on a glider and he surprise attacks him then he does get amnesia right like that i think that's yeah, real it's so weird because imagine if you you trimmed it so the sneak attack is the first appearance of harry right like yeah that'd and be great why all the theatrics before or, or you cut there's two ways to go either the sneak attack is the first one or harry you don't do amnesia which is weird and instead Harry pretends to make up with Peter, which is kind of what happens anyway. They they make up for a while, and but all along he's just waiting for his moment. And then his moment is when he sees that MJ and Peter are having problems. Then he's like, now he goes and scares her, which he does again five seconds after they have a nice scene together. He remembers <laughs> that he's a villain. After oh, they yeah. throw some omelets on the ground and then he attacks her <laughs> <laughs> and then like, it's like, make him say, you know, like break up with him. Like, so again, if that, like, if that had always been his plan, it would have made sense. But yeah, yeah, like he, he ping pongs back and forth. And then all of that is setting up the last minute ping pong, the final one, where for some reason, not only does he agree, like you understand he loves MJ. So he also would save her, but they're like, best friends in that final battle because well, because bernard explains that um sir, his father actually did kill sir, himself i forgot to mention for a movie I've seen a lot of things you know i probably years. should have brought this up sooner but your dad definitely killed himself your dad but... glider stabbed him <laughs> through the deck like why did he wait a whole movie to tell him 
He waited like six years in movie time. <laughs> yeah, he was busy getting food. For, oh, for a He's real like, get, guest? Get food in the place. For Wait, for a, a real a... guest? <laughs> Just get food, Bernard. And then he gets eggs for omelets, apparently. <laughs> it's well, that's only... what happens when you don't give specific directions. That I is mean, not on Bernard. That is food. That, yeah. yeah, do not do not sully Bernard's good name. <laughs> but yeah, Bernard definitely waits until the last possible minute to be like, oh, well, which also, again, since we don't get to talk about the other movies, yes. the one of my, I, I would give Willem Dafoe an Academy Award for his performance of Green Goblin. It's one of the finest comic book performances I've ever seen. The really moment good. where he's begging to Peter Parker in the first movie, like, oh my God, Peter, it's you. You got it. It's me. You, like, you got to help me. This thing is taking control of me so that he can buy the time to hit Peter with his glider. And then Peter jumps out of the way. And that last second, Willem Dafoe, oh, oh. <laughs> like, I didn't think this through <laughs> as he dies. It's, it's so perfect. It's really great. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say my favorite scene with Bernard is when um, he tells Harry that he's buried so many members of the Osborne family. And then he leaves. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That he, he can't he can't see another one get buried. Can I also just I just want to take nonsense. one more moment because I never get to talk about Willem Dafoe in these Spider-Man movies because he's not really in this one except for in one kind of scene. Me. But that's what I was going to say. You know why he's so good? Because what he does, if you watch in Spider-Man 2, he throws the first one away. And I really love that. He's like, Harry avenge me and then he's like what avenge me like he knows he's gonna go big so he goes small first professional so good yeah he's so good great just a little detail just like it's cold yeah wonderful also the fact that he adds braces are cold yeah he adds six syllables to the word (laughs) spider-man it's all Uh, willem dafoe is great it's also good Uh, but instead of giving the silver linings of great movies let's talk about the other reasons this one's maligned um you you have a look did you have a a thing to go to it looked like you had something oh well i at some point there's a very small thing but i i stand by it because and you mentioned it before Danny Elfman did the score of the previous two movies, and he did not do the score of this movie. And I feel like that is noticeable. That it oh, is. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Oh well, then maybe it's not noticeable. But I felt like <laughs> the score is not quite as good. Uh, like some of it, you can't notice because they're using music from the previous two films. But I feel like there's a few scenes that like just they lack that. Uh, but I do the, like the Sandman theme, and that's original to this movie. Yeah, like the Sandman uh, theme is good. But I it bums me out that they didn't get like apparently Elfman. I don't know if he saw the ship was sinking. He he was supposed to be involved, and he got out early on spider-man 3 and in a weird twist of fate he did charlotte's web instead yeah oh how neat he already had Um, a lot of spider themed music ready so he was gonna use it somewhere (laughs) it's great yeah um yeah i think i think i remember reading something about alex ross having a bad experience doing the paintings for the intro for Spider-Man 2. So as you can see, they're not there for Spider-Man 3. That did bug me because I thought they were so cool in Spider-Man 2. I actually did write that in my notes that like that was that was such a a, like cool aesthetic that they basically recap Spider-Man 1 in the title sequence for Spider-Man 2. And then yeah. they do it again in Spider-Man 3, but it's just video instead of comic book yeah, it's panels. Just still frames. Yeah, not it's, as good. it's definitely done. I no. wish they had figured that out. I guess from what I read, I think all of the money went to uh, doing the Sandman VFX, which looked good. So, sure. uh, yeah. What is the theme of Spider-Man 3? I, I can tell you what I think that they think they're exploring, but yes, I, I don't know how I would phrase it. But like, I think that they're trying to question the 
the nature of good and evil or something along those lines of like they're trying to muddy it up so that we've thought peter is the hero but maybe he's not as heroic as we thought and maybe the villains aren't as villainous as we thought there's something they're trying to do there there is something along those lines but, but I, there's I'd so be, many damn stories yeah. that it it's just muddy that's yeah. the thing it gets really muddy like um uh, sandman specifically says something like uh and they then the music stops and he looks at you and says not a bad guy I just had bad luck. And I was like, oh, no, that's really weak. Is that where we're going? (laughs) And then I feel like they went on to try to explore that. But it's so, I I don't know. I just want to say, too, because I think that they're the biggest problems are the movie is overcrowded and the Venom stuff doesn't work because uh, Raimi, his heart isn't in it. But I do think that we we have to as much as I love Sam Raimi. A problem that I think would have existed no matter what version of this movie is retconning Sandman as Ben Uncle Ben's killer is doesn't make any sense. It's very clunky. It doesn't add to anything. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, it, yeah. it's right here. I, I would my say, poopy list. I would also say not only does it not add anything, I think it takes away from the previous two it does. movies. It doesn't be- help. Yeah, because like so much, like that's a plotline they did really well. There's the, obviously. The Peter, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage cameo, which is amazing and one. Mm-hmm. And then Peter doesn't get his money. So he lets the criminal go by that criminal shoots Uncle Ben. That's a big that's your first lesson that with great power comes great responsibility. Then you pay that off in the second movie where one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he tells Aunt May, which is heartbreaking, where yeah. he's like, I-, I was there because she's blaming herself. And he's like, actually, it was my fault. I didn't go to the library and I went somewhere that I thought I could win some money and then they didn't pay me. And this guy robbed them and I let and I held his hand while he died. And she gets up and like walks out of the room and doesn't absolve him for like another 10 minutes of screen time, like where the next time he sees her and she's having the yard sale, then she's like, oh, it's okay." But like, that's such a big moment. And then it's like, well, nope. I guess it wasn't your fault because this Sandman was always going to kill him. And that actually had nothing to do with you. Yeah, that was really bad. It did hurt the mythos. And when you talk about the great power, great responsibility formula, um, like you guys know how much the comics industry likes to reinvent itself and change things up and remix. And they never changed Peter Parker's origin. No, like it, 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 it was perfect the first time and it sticks. Yeah. I think that was pun intended. Yeah, I think that was it was funny because if I remember correctly, the the legend went that Stan Lee had two rules, one of which was broken. But his original two rules were no cameos. (laughs) It was. uh, Yeah, no, (laughs) it was uh, the two people that always had to stay dead were Ben Parker and Bucky Barnes. And then the Bucky Barnes one got changed later. But like from what I've heard, those were Stan Lee's two. like we can reboot everything we can change everything those are the two that he felt like informed the characters those two characters have to die i think they nailed the bucky thing with the winter soldier but like yeah ben i agree ben should always die i i'm glad that unlike batman they've gotten away from showing ben being murdered in all the movies but which i i do think because we need more tangents because this is a spider-man 3 so we need five different plot lines we need a tangled web I think it's weird killing it with these puns. <laughs> it lends itself to it. Uh, but as much as I love the MCU Spider-Man, which I do, 
it's weird that that Aunt May, who uh, is also, you know, much younger than this Aunt May, but like she never brings up that her husband was murdered. Like it doesn't seem to inform her character at all. We never see her be sad about it, which is kind of weird. Not- She's not about being a bummer, right? <laughs> she's she's about, about lightening things up, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a cool aunt. She's going to get some larb and she's going to date Tony Stark. And if Tony Stark's not available, his assistant she's date his body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I thought I that's to, weird. Yeah. But yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, OK. Um, on, on the on the topic of theme, I wanted to ask you guys if you, you felt this. So. If you were building this story from the ground up and you knew that you had to have Venom in it, um, I think, Andy, you talked about um, like having like Parker and a mirror version of him and you're you're running, you're putting them through the ringer and you see how the different guys react to the same stimulus. Like maybe one is more merciful, maybe one is more merciless, whatever it is. Um, and then like you're just you're, you're pounding the character, you're pounding and you're pounding them. And then you want to give them this power and see what they do with it. Right. And then they'll learn their lesson through that. Right. So weirdly, this movie does that perfectly for MJ. Yes. Yeah. If she if that was if their intention was to if we didn't know Venom had to end up on. Uh, Eddie Brock, yeah, Topher, <laughs> Topher Brock. Uh, then Brock Foreman thought I would have thought like, oh, they're setting up MJ to get the symbiote thing because she's just hit and she's hit and she's hit and she's angry. Like she has the most legitimate beef of anyone in the movie, and it's a shame that they're so beholden to the source material because thematically, I think it was built perfectly for yeah. MJ to get it. Yeah. Also. Peter Parker doing the upside down kiss with Gwen Stacy is the worst thing that anyone does in this entire movie. Like that is yeah. such a dick move. <laughs> like, yeah, it, so bad. It's and, and that's before he has the suit, I believe. Like that's just that's Peter. Like that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's full on Peter Parker uh, kissing Jessica Chastain. You knew it's not just Peter Chastain, was but... turning. <laughs> you I'm knew not Peter kidding. Was turning evil when he asked the neighbor to make cookies with nuts in them because that's just that's not something a good guy does well well, right first of all yeah don't put cookies with nuts yeah yeah it's terrible well yeah she made them correct the first time they're delicious it Mm -hmm. it feels like it's just like i don't even think he eats those cookies because we never see him i think he just wanted to see if she would make them he was just enjoying (laughs) the power like will you go back and make different cookies if i ask (laughs) my favorite aspect of evil emo Bully McGuire in this <laughs> movie is I think I could be wrong, but I think that they justified all the goofiness that he does by going, well, look, Peter is genuinely a good guy. This is his version of being a dick. hundred percent. That's honestly, I think that was the epiphany I had watching it this time was, yeah, exactly that, that it's like, he's not supposed to be cool. He's supposed to be what Peter Parker thinks is cool. And that and so. Peter Parker's a nerd. So like, what does he think is cool? He thinks emo hair and a all black outfit and jazz music is cool. Find us some shade, baby. <laughs> no, I, I do really think that's it. I think it's that he, this is the cool. She parks him in a spotlight. <laughs> it's no, there's, there's true. Like, I, okay. I feel like we should be close to pivoting. Cause we, <laughs> well, let, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the Venom story then. Cause I think that's the other, that I think, 
that's what made, made people angry about this movie was all the Venom stuff. And I think the biggest thing is, I, I hate to say that anything in this movie felt rushed because this was one of the longest two and a half hours of my life. Um, but that, like, if you really want to do the Venom movie justice or the Venom story justice, it has to be almost a, at least a movie and a half. That, Which, like, Peter has to find the suit in one movie, and maybe it helps him beat the big bad in that movie, and then the next movie is about the suit becoming too much for him. I, I actually, one of the things I, I read, idea. yeah, one of the things I read said that that was actually considered, that the screenwriter tried to make this, and I guess, because this, this would have been before, like, I feel like now that's definitely what would have happened, but that wasn't as common back then, but, like, they actually were trying to explore a way to split it, and they couldn't find a satisfying midpoint to end the first movie so then they just smushed them back together but they did actually explore trying to make this two movies i guess you know they did um for some reason squeeze in uh jjj's astronaut son in the second movie right yeah and that could have been them teeing it up you know right, right. well but again and they he talked didn't... about that too that that it was going to be a, the symbiote was going to come back on his ship or something like that and yeah, yeah. But but also Raimi didn't want to do Venom, so I think that's why. But yeah, he's a big part of it. He's the guy that MJ's going to marry in Spider-Man 2, which my favorite J. Jonah Jameson line in any of the movies is when... Don't open the caviar. Well, no, because he says, call whoever the name is, and then it's his wife going the like... The caterer? Yeah, and it's like, that's his reaction <laughs> to his son being left at the altar. At the altar. It's amazing. Does uh, that character eventually become a werewolf? Yes, he does. He become uh, John Jameson becomes Man Wolf. Yeah. Man Wolf. That's it. Yep. Um, all right. So, but yeah, the Venom stuff it just doesn't work. The uh, Topher Grace is miscast. We we talked about that. It's it's too rushed. Like I think there is some stuff. I mean, <laughs> Topher Grace in a church praying that God kills. <laughs> Peter Parker is a hell of a choice while Peter is like fighting the suit above him. I kind of like that as how the suit changes hands. And maybe if that was the end of the first movie in another movie with maybe another actor, maybe even another director that would have worked. That would have been cool. But that's what I'm saying. I I, that choice is Robert Rodriguez pulling that off. Well, yeah, again, the, the idea that someone is asking for a miracle, but the miracle they want is their their enemy to be vanquished mm-hmm. is quite a choice. And then he's gets a sign from from above that that is what should happen. I also kind of feel like Brock went from zero to 60 in this. Like, I mean, he well, was never a, a great guy. And maybe it's Topher Grace's fault for being so charming, but like, I felt like, look, Peter is a dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I feel like he was just selling himself. Like, I don't feel like he had the seed of evil in him. Like, I feel like it just kind of happened when it his camera got smashed and he was called a chump. Don't call people chumps. Like don't that's, call yeah. chumps. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really, <laughs> yeah, chump. it seemed like he really, he wanted that, the daily bugle job, the, the staff position. Uh, and because, oh, that's it. That's okay. To answer your question, to go back, the theme of this movie is, uh, pay freelancers and like pay freelancers. Yeah. Yeah. The, he was, pay, he, pay artists what they're worth, pay artists what they're worth and don't pit them against each other. Cause then this is what happens, you know? And then the art, it, art is a positive sum game. And it, I think you see everyone that everyone can win. You see that in the payoff too, because what's the ultimate punishment for J. Jonah Jameson is that both of his photographers are trying to kill each other. So he gets shaken down by a little girl who sells him a camera for a hundred dollars with no film in it. 
Is that story number six? Oh, right. Yeah. That is. You know what? That's yeah, we didn't take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to we should pivot at some point, but I, if people still have stuff, you know, the, the movie's two and a half hours. OK, do it. Things um, that third act, I if you can call it that comes on strong and bad. Suddenly there's narrators in the story like there's some knockoff David Letterman looking guy and a reporter in the street just narrating what's going on it's so ham-fisted well yeah because that's the number one rule of screenwriting tell don't show exactly <laughs> it makes you wonder if they're again because there's so much maybe they cut like 30 minutes out of this movie and then the only way to to get to the end was, was just in the that. exposition dump yeah because I, I think i saw something too that said that i think kirsten dunce was a little frustrated because i think that she was supposed to have a bit more to do like she wasn't just damsel in distress like i think she was more actively involved in the end and then they ended up like changing it to she gets kidnapped like i think that you know they they kind of gutted whatever was planned for her in the end uh to just make her dangling from a car like the the way they segued into and and you could feel it in all the venom scenes really um the shadow of Venom meets the shadow of Sandman. And uh, he's like, we should team up. And you're like, all right, cut to disaster. Chaos. Like, it's crazy. And then even when um, when Pete gets the symbiote for the first time and then wakes up in the suit, it's so inelegant. And he just accepts it and he's fine with it. There's so much alien acceptance in this movie. Like, <laughs> no one's freaked out by anything other than Doc Connors. I, and even yeah. he's like, this thing I've never seen before looks pretty weird. Anyways, <laughs> back to my physics class. <laughs> anyway, they're optimistically believing I'm going to turn into the lizard at some point, but we're scrapping Aww. that. But they believe. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the multiverse, there's a version with him as lizard and Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. Yeah, and I'd love to see those movies. I, I do like that there's been more. Uh, the Billy D. Williams has been happening more because like the Lego movie had him voice uh, mm-hmm. Two-Face. And then now there's a comic book series where oh, they're yeah, doing the Batman 89. Book. Yeah, so they're finally starting to. To at least write that wrong. So maybe there's still I could see a, a Toby Maguire verse comic series. Like um but yeah, so where are we at? <laughs> no, we're just just I just that that I we just I couldn't let yeah, this yeah. go without talking about the narrators at the end of the movie. It, it's yeah, so no, bad. it's cl- it's sloppy. It's definitely sloppy. Let me read a line to you from the movie. <laughs> this is from a professional screenwriter. Who's paid a I lot like, of money to make oh, yeah. this. Like, uh, <clears throat> I like being bad. It makes me happy. That's in the movie. Someone was paid to write that. And it made it through who knows how many which, hands. Which weird is. Someone said it. And I'm which sure weird. Sam Raimi, he's like, oh, that was Ivan's line. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest part about that, though, Aunt Mays, the one who says it. <laughs> that was Bernard. <laughs> Bernard, why didn't you tell me about my father? I like being bad, I like sir. Being bad. It makes me happy. <laughs> now here's some eggs. That was another one. <laughs> I hated too. It was uh let's see, I wrote it down. It was so rough. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um when so when Sandman goes to see his daughter in the in the original in that first scene and they have that emotional bit with the the mom. Doesn't she? Okay, where is it? She says something crazy like, you want to talk truth? 
I live in the presence of great truth. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. No yeah, one talks like that. that line? <laughs> yeah. And, and she was referring to the daughter. It was nuts. Like, I, I who's the writer? He wrote uh, the book uh, Cavalier and. Oh, uh, Jonathan Chabon. Yes. I, I think it's Jonathan. I think it's him. <laughs> I can't. I can't prove this. <laughs> he just snuck in. Or Michael Chabon. Michael Chabon is his name. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Not he Jonathan snuck in Chabon. Michael and Chabon. Changed that one line. <laughs> That's the. Uh, you know what happens to toads when they get hit by lightning? <laughs> That's oh. Joss Whedon's one line yeah. that got into go into uh, X Men. X Men, right? I but yeah. It's just like such a flowery kind of language that I could see maybe working in a novel, but like yeah. when you actually have someone say it, it doesn't feel right. No, you, some, th some things like read great, but sound terrible. And that's one of many examples in this movie. Yeah, so there's a lot of those. On the other hand, <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, the greatest line of all time. It's, yeah, I mean, the look. The, the, look here? the look on his face. You're like, so no, that's... Good. Yeah, that moment is amazing. I I feel like that took like twelve takes, and Franco the whole time's like, "No, I can be creepier." Mm -mm. That was like, I think that was take one. That was one <laughs> and done. See, I think you're both wrong. I think that it wasn't scripted, and Sam Raimi said, uh, "How do you feel about that take that you just did?" And he turned and looked into the camera and said, "So good," and he just left it in the movie. <laughs> that's correct. No, that's what happened. No, that's the right one. Yeah, <laughs> that's the right one. Uh, I do. You, right, that, you, that was my bad stuff. Okay, yeah. I did. You, you know what? You, I thought of another one where we need oh, to please. pivot because the suit, the black suit. Like, how does it work? Is it a symbiote or is it a suit? Like, there are times when it's just like a suit under his shirt, and it's like in the closet, and the picking with it suit. up and put it in a briefcase. Like, I didn't understand the logic of this. It's supposed to be a symbiote. It's supposed to replace the suit and just always be on him. But it seemed like it was sometimes an article of clothing that he could take off. So I didn't quite get that. I mean, every symbiote I've ever bonded with has worked that way. So oh, I forgot you're the expert, you know, um, and also, sometimes it's massively huge and has multiple arms. And sometimes it can fit on a back of a scooter license plate in the shape of a V. Yeah. Uh, I would, I will point out what not like not to get too pedantic on it, but my, my wife did like, she was kind of in and out while I was watching, but she saw this scene with Connors and McGuire. It was just like, so no safety equipment, like no gloves, <laughs> no goggles. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this movie is just, just think scientists are idiots with absolutely no regard for safety. Well, it's uh, funny because he's chastising Peter. Like, you didn't touch it, did you? But like, he's not wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> did you say gloves or glove? But well, I mean, you know, yes. Because he's not wearing glove. They should be in like. How dare you? They should be in Breaking Bad like hazmat suits to touch yeah. that thing, like in that scene. Well, you know, I mean, public university funding at Empire State U, it's, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. They have spitballs there. Yeah. God. Brings a dental mirror in just to. F what college kid gives enough of a shit about his surroundings to bully someone? <laughs> What, what college kid is awake enough in that class to, to, to have the to energy? Focus. The kid that's awake enough is actually there to learn, right. not bully kids. Yeah. 
Also, yeah, I love the idea of a bully in what's definitely like the advanced class. Like he's already because this is not the first semester. This is like also, man, this college must not have a lot of money. They're all lecture classes. There's no like you never as a like when you get to be like a junior or a senior, you never get like a some lab twenty person class or something. They're all lectures. Parker is a dweeb of such magnitude that he brings it out in people. He does. Like these guys, you don't just you can't just make spitballs you gotta plan it yeah you gotta know you're having straw you You gotta buy a dental mirror (laughs) yes you reminded me you reminded me too of like so to a great line from the first movie is flash thompson i wouldn't want to fight me either is a plus that's a good line i I believe it's i wouldn't want to fight me neither neither i think you're right it is neither yes yeah yeah. and joe manganello makes a cameo at the end so good on him i saw that Yeah. yeah and i never noticed that before yeah all right are we, Let's pivot. Let's we pivot? pivot. This is Let's our pivot. longest. You'll, you'll be proud to know, Jonathan, this is the longest episode we've ever done already. And we're just pivoting. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the longest feeling movie of all. Uh, yeah, Actually, it's going to be short. Thomas Hayden uh, Church. What? Good night, everybody. <laughs> you know what? This, can I have a, I said we're pivoting, but I, I don't know if this is a silver lining or not. So I want to have a, in the, this limbo period, but I'm not going by this because I want to bounce this off of both of you. I have a new theory now. Oh. Have you watched this movie? Did Damien Chazelle see this movie and did it seep into his brain? And then was it the basis for La La Land? Because think about it. This movie is the basis for La La Land. You have jazz music. You oh have, God. you first see MJ. She's walk. She's in a lo- big musical production. She's on the stage. Her musical career is floundering. Her relationship with Peter is floundering. How do they reconcile? He goes to the jazz club with someone else. That's the end of La La Land. Like all the 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 douchey Peter, like the the bully Maguire, like the way that he looks, like the dancing. He dances with with Gwen Stacy. I think this movie inspired La La Land. I'm I'm officially stating it. You might be a hundred percent right. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's yeah. That I'm gonna say it's a silver lining because La La Land existing allows for the greatest moment in Oscar's history. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. <laughs> correct. Yes. Also, yes. Oh, I forgot the other the other thing bolstering my theory. Uh, what was the other Damien Chazelle movie that, that got him acclaimed before he made La La Land? Who starred in it? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> See? He saw this movie, stuck with him. All of his career has just been trying Un- to... Yeah. <laughs> and who starred in La La Land? One of the the one of the MJs. Oh the, yeah, actually she was. Was oh she? Gwen, she was Gwen Stacy, wasn't she? Or was she? Oh no, she was Gwen Stacy. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But but in like someone who but went a Spider-Man on Spider Man girlfriend. A Spider Man yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. So there you go. We without this movie we don't get La La Land, and without La La Land we don't get the greatest moment in Oscars history. So silver, silver lining. lining. Yeah, count it. Silver lining. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> Thomas Hayden so, Church, you said. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Yeah, please. Thomas Hayden. Thomas Hayden, I, I love him as an actor. Uh, I loved him playing Lowell Mather on Wings. Mm-hmm. I loved, I've loved him in literally everything he's done. Um, he brings way more gravitas to this movie than it deserves. Yes. Um, he's great. And more <laughs> graveltas. It yeah. does. Graveltas. He, he tosses Sandman more gravel. brings the graveltas. Yeah, he, t- he tosses more gravel than... <laughs> He does a good gravel toss. Yeah. Silver lining, segueing off of church. Mm-hmm. The 
birth of Sandman sequence. That's awesome. Is yeah. beautiful. Yes. Awesome. And again, it's let's, so this, beautifully done. The music is great. Yes. And it's the, like an art piece just right in the middle of this movie. And the it's special, a great little short film in the in the yeah. movie. Yeah. The special effects are great. They they really stand up. Like it, it looks, and I like. I think they were invented for this movie. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. had gravel tech. That like, yep. so no, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and when he's trying to like lift up the 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 necklace, the locket, like, the yeah, locket of his great. daughter, it's awesome. No, that scene is great, and it yeah, when he finally becomes Thomas Hayden Church, like when he finally has enough strength. No, that is great. You again, you to your theory, you can see that that's the movie that Raimi wanted to make because yeah. all of the love and attention and craft is in that is there moment. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um. I think like you kind of hinted at, I think a lot of the MJ stuff is good. Like I, mm-hmm. I think that there's an MJ plot line that is worth exploring yep. buried in this crowded movie, but it's, uh, it's well done and she that, has good points. That MJ story is so well rendered. Yes. Like, yeah. If you make her your main protagonist, you follow her through the movie. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty good movie. And honestly, yeah, I think the cleanest version of this movie is the to what is Harry's plan? What if organically she goes to Harry more and more, and then we find out that Harry's slow playing his revenge? Like he's he's Machiavellian, waiting for her to fall in love with him to use her to destroy. uh, Because how do you destroy him? The heart. The heart. <laughs> Which uh, that's a throwback from the other movie, right? From yes. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. his whole strategy. Yeah. And that yeah. is that informs Harry's whole thing. Is yeah. everything he does is about attacking the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's but, why you go to the balcony first. Yeah. And that's why you have an altercation on the sidewalk. Just to throw Peter off. So when he's on his little scooter, he's not expecting it. He's preoccupied. His spidey senses aren't ready for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might be he, genius. He's amped up too because also. So here we go. Pivot again. I I love that Aunt May scene. The the like Rosemary Harris who she's uh, great. Oh, she's the, she kills it. I mean, I she love is the comic book Aunt May. I was gonna say I love Marissa awesome. Tomei, but like just in general as a person. But like this is Aunt May. Like when I close my eyes and I picture Aunt May and what she would look like, you know, if the comic book version came to life, it's Rosemary Harris in these movies. And she crushes every scene that she's ever done in any of these movies. And her telling Peter what, you know, it takes to be ready to propose to someone is a really beautiful scene. And then she gives him a ring. That's a great scene. That's so good. Yeah. I agree. However. Oh, ooh, okay. It went on for seven years. It did. You could okay, trim yeah. it. You could trim it. I don't argue with that. That like, and especially in a movie this busy, that you could. You, you want could me to sit down. Down. Yeah, and yeah. I did. Yeah. And he told me to close my eyes, and I did. And yeah. then he said to open my eyes. I did. And it was like, you could have skipped a lot of that, Aunt May. She's an old yeah. lady. She doesn't get a lot of company. She's it's enjoying. True. And I will say that is exactly what it feels like to speak to a senior citizen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, that's accurate. Yeah. It's like so, she just yeah. in Spider-Man 2, she just has that neighbor kid that she gives all of Peter's comics to. Like, I don't think she oh, has yeah. it. Then she moves. So, like, I don't yeah. think she has anyone checking on her. Um, Thomas Hayden Church. Do you guys um, do you guys know Eric Larson, the artist? I know the name. Yeah. The like, name sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't going to land with you as much, but uh, he used to be an artist on Spider-Man. That's where he got um, very popular. And then he launched Savage Dragon uh, in the nineties with image comics and is still penciling, inking and writing it today. 
nice. every issue. And they're like in like 200 issues or some craziness. Anyway, um, look this up later. Folks at home, look this up now. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church looks exactly like he was drawn by Eric Larson. The forehead, the big ears, the mouth like a little too close to the chin. It's perfect. <laughs> he looks like an artist tradition, specifically by one of the most famous Spider-Man artists. So I say perfect casting. There I, you do, I do think that that's something that Raimi, even in this film, continues to be good at is like the moments where he's just recreating comic book panels. But like there's other directors who have tried to do that and it it draws attention to himself. His ability to organically. Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Did you guys hear something? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it feels very organic the way that he puts it yeah. and even like yeah the the staring at the reflection that that's you know like there there's all these moments that are just beautifully shot uh yeah. that he sneaks in there and they they don't feel out of place and they don't feel showy they feel no, like the right in. thing to do they just happen yeah yeah um always bruce campbell bruce campbell doing always a french accent that scene legit cracked me up like it hit i yeah the fact that Bruce Campbell is in all three of these movies and the only thing he exists to do is to be an obstacle, but just like a, a minor one. Yeah, well, just and like, I remember there was a rumor floating around and I'm sure it, there was nothing to it, but that it, at some point Bruce Campbell was going to play Mysterio. In yeah, yeah. storyboards that yeah. exist of that. Yeah, which would have been great. So I, good. I do hope that he shows up in the Doctor Strange movie that Sam Raimi's doing. Oh, I hope he shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can't say if he shows up in Far From Home or not, because, you know, or No Way Home. We can't tell or talk about that, but. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was equal parts uh, delighted and bummed that you picked that clip to play at the head of the show, because I was planning to delight you all <laughs> by <laughs> reminding you that the line, <laughs> romance, I am French. <laughs> What's in the movie? It's delivered so perfectly. It's so, it really, so good. Well, yeah. And that's a line that's like the opposite, where on paper, it doesn't look like a good line. But in the hands of a Bruce Campbell, it's perfect. Well, it's also he's doing the French accent from like the Holy Grail. Like that is, yes. he is oh, yeah, doing. He's, he's doing uh, the Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> I am French. Yeah. Well, th but there's a there's a little flavor to it. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's like some nuance to his delivery because. I think it's intended to be delivered like, well, of course I love romance. I am French. Yeah. But the way he says it, it's like he's just trying to make you believe that he is French. Right. Yes. He's yeah, absolutely yeah. not. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I am French. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. That's how I read that's it. That's absolutely. Yeah. He's only played one character in these movies. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. the ring announcer for the NWWL uh, or NYWL moonlights as an usher at the broadway theater and also because you know or, this economy man <laughs> or theory so this whole time the one plot line that we've missed is because of that robbery from the first spider-man movie he lost mm -hmm. his job as an announcer and he has had a vendetta against peter parker the guy who could have saved the money but didn't so he just goes around new york being a, a petty a obstacle <laughs> storyline seven yeah there we go that's that's the real that's the fact you'll only get from this podcast is that bruce campbell is actually <laughs> yes like has a blood feud with peter parker just has a vendetta that he was wishing that the only reason uh, 
Topher Grace's character wished Peter Parker dead is because he heard Bruce Campbell making the same wish on his way out of the confessional. He's like, wait, we can do that? I mean, I'm not religious, but I... Okay. All of... By the way, all the comedy of him every time Peter waves... He waves at Gwen Stacy and he rushes everyone in. And then, again, I think it supports that he hates him, that, like, it's very clear that MJ has stormed out. And it's like, now, now's the moment. I'm going to send in the band, like, send in the orchestra. It's beautiful. The comedy is so perfect. And just segueing off of that in, in, in that moment, in that scene, um... Bryce Dallas Howard is so good mm-hmm. when she apologizes she to MJ, when she realizes what's going on like, again in the, no, they, so yeah, because man, like there's a one to just like in that scene because she first sees MJ and goes, Oh God, that's your ex. Do you want to leave? Which is the right thing to say. Like, Oh yeah. my God, we've accidentally stumbled upon the place that your ex works. And then by the end, it's like, that was all for her. Oh God! And you then suck. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like oh, and you felt it. You yeah. felt it. No, it's Man. great. It really is great. Isla, Isla Fisher did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I, I think Amy Adams was perfect casting as Gwen Stacy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you have these locked and loaded because you've hit like they're all the same person <laughs> yeah so you have them all ready you have them all ready to go oh, man. Um, uh bill pope love bill pope oh, oh bill pope yeah is in full effect in this movie it's gorgeous the lights change on people's faces they all have that three-quarter comic book shadow right down the the, the cheekbone so so good it's beautiful it's a beautiful movie yeah it really, really is. is no yeah so bill pope yeah, bill <laughs> pope for sure yeah yeah uh well okay i don't know if we if there's anything else to think of but we did tease the idea and i think like now is the time to fully yes. appreciate bully mcguire in all of his glory <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a silver lining because of how much your adrenaline and your dopamine spikes yeah. when you see that scene. Like yeah. it's undeniable now. Like it was a little disappointing at the time, but now it's genuinely what you look forward to. My wife ran from the other room <laughs> to the room where we were playing the movie just to see that part. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, to see like can... the Saturday Night Fever walk. Yeah. The and whole, it, yeah. And the jazz well, club, the whole. And God, the. Like, you want to talk about great extra casting. Like, the way those girls are reacting to him Saturday Night Fever walking down the street is amazing. Because it's, like, it's not really focused on, you don't see their faces, but, like, when you catch a glimpse, it's, like, such disgust. It's so well done. Like, I, I, I'm one of the few people that loved that bit in 2007. I did not. In, in first run? Wow. No, I wow, did wow, not. wow, wow, wow. No, I, think I, it, I, I think I got it back then. And I was like, oh, no, this, like... He just doesn't know how to be cool. Yeah. Like, no symbiote in the world is going to make him cool. No, I. Right. it was very jarring to me in 07. I was not <laughs> ready for it. But no, I've come to appreciate it. And I think you can see that, that like, it, it's become its own cult classic. I think outside of the movie, mm-hmm. like online, just it's it's just a social. Animated gifs of that are everywhere. Well, that, they put him in other stuff. Like, they'll edit 
like him like his face or like those clips into other movies and stuff like it's become just an enduring meme just because i think it's it's seared into all of our brains like yeah so are we all in agreement that toby Maguire killed it yeah, like yes. he, he he was amazing. I'll I'll say this because given that to do right. I will I'll say because right? I already threw out my La La Land theory. I think he's better than the dancing in La La Land. I think the performance that he's giving in that scene, him and Bryce Dallas Howard should have won Academy Awards apparently because the dancing and the the charisma that they have in that scene, it's great. No, he's great. He cr- that's it, and you have to appreciate. He had to know it was silly. He didn't know how it was going to go, but he's giving everything. No, he is. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I know that Kevin Smith, I think, has articulated the same thing, but I think Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker. I think that's probably right. Like, I, I do really like Tom Holland. Like, a lot I think too. Tom Holland is the best overall, like, whole picture. Yeah. Like, both sides. Um. And, you know, uh, spoiler for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the Andrew Garfield movies. I think Andrew Garfield was a really good Spider-Man, but a terrible Peter Parker. He so was the actual bully Maguire. <laughs> he's he's yeah. actually mean hearted. Yeah. Right. Those movies. Um, no, those movies are weird. But, like, yeah. But I, I think I think Tobey Maguire, like his Spider-Man's more than fine. It's it's good. But like, I think he really nails just the nerdiness of especially like 60s, 70s Peter Parker. Well, and he's the weirdest. Yes. He's the weirdest Peter Parker. Like he's a weird little nerd and you understand why he's such an outcast. But yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of counterintuitive for Peter Parker to be uh, handsome in any way. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it's. When Spidey pulls off that mask, you should be like, oh, 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 well, all right. Sorry, you shocked me. (laughs) Which I will say I've softened on it, but that was for years. My one like biggest nit with with the Raimi franchise is like he never wears the mask ever. Like he will take a lot of money for that face. So a subway full of people that pop that mask off. They'll they won't tell. They're going to tell you they won't tell. They'll hand you that mask back like you don't. He's. But also, like, they also played into the anonymity, like, when you could be more anonymous in the mid-2000s. Someone's getting a cell phone pic of Holland if he pops that mask off. Well, I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's the whole thing. They, everybody found out. It took him, look how quick. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, we got to We I realize we, we kind of blazed past it, but just to be clear, always in all three of these movies, J.K. Simmons is so good at playing he, J. Jonah Jameson. is J. Jonah Jameson. That they didn't... He, this is how good he is. They didn't try to recast the role in The Amazing Spider-Man. And when it came time to recast it in the MCU Spider-Man, they threw like, their nah. hands up in the air and went, just get him again. There's no one else. The source. No one yeah. could do it. You I, I, you wouldn't want to. Like, who no. would want to try? Who would want to even try? Out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> He would do it. Jared Leto. Jared Leto is coming. I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll top it. Um, I have two more major, major silver linings. We've got to mention the sound design. Yeah, it's yeah. so good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is a really well-made movie. It re- like and having watched a bunch of not very well-made movies the past few weeks for us, this has been a treat to watch a very, no, very I mean, well-made Sam movie. Raimi, one of the greatest comic book filmmakers 
out there like just that's ever done it like because he's good at all of it you know some people like like i love nolan i love those batman movies but like nolan can't film action the way that like raimi can you know like that it's just like raimi is the complete like this movie is a comic book and i understand it you know i wish raimi made malignant because that would have been amazing yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. but like just like during the the subway fights and the the aerial fights, like the you know, there were so many good sounds. I knew everything like, that happened when you did that. Yeah, no, I know exactly the scene you were talking about uh, during the crane bit. Yeah, when he's making his way downward uh, toward Gwen, and then the two giant slabs collide. It's such a big sound. Even when when Betty is paging JJJ. And the, the, the desk of boom, like yeah. it's a very, it, the sound design is just out of this world. It's that, so, so good. That was the other clip I considered using for the beginning, but I, I realized I played it again and I realized it's too visual, but that scene kills it. me that every day, cause it's, it's his look like every time he reaches he's pointing the, to the bottles. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's too visual, but so that's good. that scene. Is, it, and that's what's funny too. Cause uh, you know, we, we talked about JK Simmons, but like, that comedy is all coming from her. Like that's like she it's her timing on every time. And the editing too. And the yeah. editing. But like, yeah, it's all her just getting her revenge on him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my final silver lining, we kind of just alluded to it, and I think someone else mentioned it earlier. Um, the the swinging yes. and the aerial fights, yep. the way they're yeah. choreographed, working downward through space, working in like a, a Z plane in the subway, yeah. falling down, rising up, swinging with him. I think they're better than the the Homecoming series. No, they, I, I think they're the best. They are. That's what I said. Like when I, I brought it up before, it was that was what stuck with me when I watched the first movie of like growing up reading Spider-Man comics. I want to see Peter Parker, you know, shoot webs and swing through New York City and yeah, Raimi captured that so viscerally in a way there's it's so kinetic that you move with him. And you're right, the every Spider-Man movie after has never like they, honestly, if I was them in the same Often way imitated, never duplicated. Well, but I don't even think they imitate it. But and if I was them, I would just steal it. Like in the same way that everyone just stole Favreau's, like, okay, so Tony Stark, it's his face with a close-up when he's in Iron Man's costume. So now it's a, which is brilliant. That it's a great solution to the ripping the mask off every five seconds. But like, yeah, no one else has ever captured the movement of Spider-Man just hurrying through New York City. Just web slinging. Web slinging yeah. through New York City, which is so much of what Spider-Man is. Maguire's Spider-Man has weight to him when he's yeah. swinging. Yes. And I think that's the problem with Holland's. Like, he has no weight. He's yeah. just like, we could do anything. Yeah. And it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like he's landing with any impact. It doesn't feel like he's clinging to something with his fingertips. They, they, they just nail it in the movies and, and it's in present in this one. I, I think this might be an amazing movie. I, I, this is what I said to Andy right before uh, you got here. I think a third of this movie is great. I think mm-hmm. that's the percentage that I'd put it at, but like a third of this movie is a great movie and a third of it is probably very bad. And then there's the rest. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> man. So, this is not good for listeners, but um, I made a good, bad and poopy list as I was working my way through. Also, I know and this is sorry. This is the longest episode we've ever done. But since you said the word poopy, I do want yes. you to know that your enduring legacy 
is that the poop pass continues to come up. We've talked about the, the poop pass in many an episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, we track it now. So when it feels like a movie had a poop pass, it, it comes oh, up, which weirdly I'm, I'm honored. You'll be no greater legacy. Yeah, yeah. Forget the biggie stuff. Forget it. <laughs> uh, but you'll be maybe surprised and happy to know like Good Burger, which we did. No yeah. poop pass. Really? Yeah, it's wild. I was as surprised as you were, yeah. given that it was a Nickelodeon movie from the late yes, 90s. Yes. Nickelodeon movie. Yeah. <laughs> the most surprising doesn't have one yeah oh, well i was just gonna say that my the, the items in my good section are easily as big as the the bad and the poopy kind of put together hmm. i don't know yeah. i i think i think two-thirds good movie right. and one-third you, you, know, you know it's funny i know that tover grace actually does a lot of re-edits of movies it's like a thing that he does i'd love to see oh, his edit really? of this movie like yeah he's done that with different yes. stuff where he like I think he did the Star Wars. Like, I think he did the Star Wars prequels edited down to, like, watchable. <laughs> um, after starring in Black Klansman to clear his head from playing David Duke, um, he edited The Hobbit into just the book. Yeah. Like, the three Hobbit movies. Yeah. He edited it to just the, what's in actually text yeah. in the book. So that is a thing that he does. I, I would be curious what his edit... I mean, unfortunately, I think if it's his edit, he might not take out enough of the Venom stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> Or all of it. Yeah, yeah. I think you could cut. It would be. Inter- I would watch a cut of this movie where where Venom was just edited out. I think you could do it because I, I think, think Raimi wanted it out. Like that. Like I think maybe he was hoping you could cut him out. So it's like you just have to re-edit that last fight so that it's just Sandman. But I think it could work. So in that edit, uh, Bully McGuire is just high on himself. It's just hubris. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just he's he's angry that that uh, that MJ and 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 Harry got together. You, you he's know been what? Rejected like so the, all that stuff. That's just him acting out, right? That's not yeah. the Venom influence. Maybe it fixes like maybe it fixes that gap because maybe the Harry omelet like scene with MJ <laughs> happens before. You know what I mean? Like maybe you you shuffle when that happens in the movie so that it happens earlier and he finds out about it and then yeah. he's acting out. You know, that could be good. All right, so uh, Topher, if you're listening, <laughs> and we know you are, <laughs> uh, please edit this. Um, and you can like edit all the Venom stuff into something else. Well, I'll watch it just so you don't feel like you were completely cut out of the movie. Release but... the Grace cut. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be interesting, like uh, to see the the Sandman cut. Honestly, the 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 cut that Raimi wanted clearly. Yeah, and you can even have the symbiote stuff. And like have it be setting up a Venom sequel. Sure. Yeah, there's you know, like, just no yeah, there's no Brock. And maybe it maybe it yeah. ends with the the church scene. Yes. I was gonna say the final scene uh maybe is on the web with the two of them and you see the thing. But yeah, we can no, that, that should be earlier, and we should end at the church. You're right. That's much better. Because they even end the trailer with that, right? Right. Covered yeah. in the symbiote and goes Wah! and like they teased you into thinking that was going to be a killer venom movie, and it wasn't. And there's never been one. No, and there never will be. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I actually think you hit on a big reason this movie is ma- maligned is that it's a bad venom movie wrapped inside of a good Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's like it's got a symbiote. <laughs> there's a good spider-man movie but it's been infected 
<laughs> by a bad symbiote. Which it's it, it's poi. Maybe it's a perfect movie. Oh. Wow. Uh, wow. Oof. We we went there. Well, I think we went too far, but it's okay. No. I think we didn't go far enough. <laughs> oh. I, I I feel like do you have a symbiote? It feels like it's amplifying your natural optimism. <laughs> Uh, to uh, unhealthy levels, but we did it. I mean, is no, we definitely did it. Yeah, the longest episode we've ever done. Still half the time of the actual movie, so I think that's good. <laughs> um, okay, so you already kind of teased. We got we got future big E gear to look out for. Obviously, all the, people should follow you on Instagram. I'll say it before I even ask you if you have plugs because it's delightful, and you get to see you posting about all the gear that you make, and it's really nice. And oh, uh, thank you. So that yeah. so that's cool. Um, anything else that you want to update on? I know, I don't know where our heroes rock is at. I don't want to bug you about it. Cause I know you're working. Oh, no but. worries. Uh, I'm, I'm hard at work storyboarding. Um, nice. I really, really underestimated how much work that was going to be. <laughs> Animation? But, <laughs> uh, just, just the storyboarding, just the uh, animatic process. Cause yeah. like you can see it so clearly in your head. It's such a short, it's like a five minute short. It, it shouldn't be anything. And it's just, it's killer. It's so time intensive, but um, it's delightful. So I can't wait for you guys to see it. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. For whenever it comes out, like, uh, for sure. Anything else you want to, eh, not working. Anything else. It's all just gear and storyboards and storyboards. And it's at Davenpoe across the platforms, right? Uh, you wish it's at Davenpoe, uh, on Instagram and at the real Davenpoe. <laughs> on Twitter, who is um, who is the fake an homage Davenpo? to the real Ghostbusters? <laughs> because somebody, <laughs> an ape, and two other dudes <laughs> took my Twitter account. <laughs> is it? Do they pretend? They don't pretend to be you, do they? Is it? Someone... No, they predated me. I, oh. I just, um, I was like, oh, maybe I should get on Twitter. Oh, I'm, I'm already on Twitter. I'll tell you <laughs> the other thing that's bugging me. Um, I'll never be the most famous Jonathan Davenport because there's apparently uh, like a NASCAR racer out there using that name that he was born with, I suppose. <laughs> and, uh, and he's just, he's the number one Davenport and, uh, I'm just got to live with that. Not in my heart. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> there actually, there's a Joel Murphy who write, he's like a veterinarian and he writes books. Like sometimes I'll see his name pop up. So that's odd. I can't think of anyone with a name like Andrew McIntyre. That's famous at all. Like maybe like they would shorten it like a Drew McIntyre. Maybe just maybe. a Drew. Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Did not think of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna oh. you're gonna have to somehow become like both the the world and like you're gonna have to win both belts like to to surpass. It's the only it. way. Yeah. <laughs> Your path is clear. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Yes, thank um, you for coming. Thank you for doing this again. Yeah, you're just going to come back for next. Having me. It was so fun. I love, I love doing this. It's so cool. You're just going to come back for the, the other two, right? Like you're just I'll come back for amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. I friend. mean, the, the door is open. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, especially amazing too because that the one triggers me. So well, I would love to talk about that. Well, movie. I I I think I speak for both of us. I hope when I I say the door is open. So may, maybe maybe you'll be back for, for oh, well, that would be great. That would be great. Like Skeletor at the end of the Dolph Lundgren E-Man movie. <laughs> the most famous use of the most famous use of I'll be back in any movie ever. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peak Sloth.